Welcome to the When Wit Happens podcast. This is a podcast that helps you find ways to celebrate and live your best life, even when stuff happens. Now here's your host, Whitney West. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. And today I have Nadeja Towns, and she is a career transition coach. So I wanted to bring her on to talk to you guys about pivoting. And I'm just going to let her do an introduction of herself, and then we'll get to talking. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this platform. My name, again, is Nadeja Towns, and I am a career transition coach. So I recently just stepped into my business full time after leaving my student affairs nine to five job. Um, and it's been a journey, a lot of pivot. I experienced a lot of change in the month of May. So excited to finally be settled <laughs> on the end <laughs> of all of the transition. And now I am focusing full time on helping other student affairs professionals um, transition out of higher education and really just make that change on their own terms so that they can really feel confident about that next chapter in their career. Absolutely. So as most of my listeners know, I work in higher education as Nadeja used to because now she's full-time working for her business. But um, I just kind of identify with a lot of the things that she was talking about, a lot of the different struggles. And I know a lot of people have had that moment where they really wanted to transition out of, but they were just very unsure. So as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, she is in an amazing space because so many people absolutely need what she's doing. And I just knew it really would um, resonate with you all too, because I know some of you all are in higher education and a lot of you all are looking to make changes in your life. And so I wanted to ask you, at what point and like, how did you know that student affairs was no longer like your thing? Yeah, so this is a really interesting question because I sometimes I try to really realize if it was like, the student affairs piece, it was a very fast moment for me, to be honest. Um, I actually had a very specific incident with a student in August. Um, mm. So if you work in student affairs, especially residence life, you know that it is so hard to maintain those boundaries at work, especially when you live where you work. But me, I was known as the boundaries queen. I was known as the self-care queen. Mm. Um, And I really tried to role model that for my students and my colleagues. And thankfully I did work somewhere where that was encouraged, right? Like I didn't feel guilty about leaving at the end of the business day. Um, And my supervisor was super supportive. So I knew that student affairs was no longer for me the first time that those boundaries felt disregarded the first time that my privacy felt violated um, and the first time that my staff apartment on campus no longer felt like a home Mm -hmm. and that very specific day was the exact day that I made up my mind that I was going to leave yeah a lot of times it is kind of swift like that and it's just like major violations that it's just like okay a change has to come and like that's sometimes like a hard thing to accept because it happens so quickly. And I find like a lot of people with chronic illnesses, they get that diagnosis and it's like, okay, automatically major life change. And it's like, but this is what I've known my life before. Like, how am I supposed to change and go further? So what was it for you that was like, okay, 
I need to move student affairs instead of saying like, maybe I need to go to another school. Like, what was that yeah. for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I know some people will connect with me and they're like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to leave student affairs or if I just need another institution. So I know a lot of people kind of struggle. Um, for me, it was that, that the incident that, the incident that drove me to decide to leave was an isolated incident. It wasn't very common. Mm-hmm. But there were so many other things that were burning me out before that day in August, right? And so when I went into my res life role, I knew that I was going to stay there for three to four years. And so when the incident occurred, it was at the beginning of my third year. So I kind of already knew that I had a timeline. But when I gave myself that timeline, I imagined myself staying in student affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you are a black woman working in higher education Mm. there are a lot there's a lot of shenanigans that you deal with um (laughs) shenanigans is a good word for that yes i i have all of my special terms you know you have students that are very entitled you have parents who are over involved who overstep um and then you just have like the politics of higher ed and i found myself realizing I would be at my desk dealing with, you know, the typical res life stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would just be sitting there like, I really don't care. <laughs> I really do not care about what we're talking about right now. I don't care about this student's issue. And not in a place of like, not, it's, it's just that sometimes, you know, when people feel like their emergencies should be urgent to you, right? When you're dealing with your own stuff and then you have like these entitled students who are like raising so much chaos over like someone touched my Oreos. I'm like, Oh God, help me. (laughs) I cannot take another roommate conflict. Um, And so, yeah, it was just, it, it didn't feel authentic. The work didn't feel authentic and it didn't feel aligned. I felt like I was getting to a place where I had to show up for work and pretend. And authenticity is also very important to me. That's another thing that I'm known for. So, you know, showing up and having to pretend that I care at meetings and, you know, having that parent on the phone for 40 minutes who's, you know, retelling you their problems (laughs) 17 different ways. It's just like, how much longer can I really deal with this? Um, And I knew that a lot of what I was struggling with, it's just the culture of student affairs. It's not that I worked for a bad institution. I worked in a really good department. So if I worked at one of the better places and I was still dealing with all of this stuff, Ooh. I kind of put two and two together and figured that this is just not the type of field that I could see myself in long term. Right. That makes a whole lot of sense. It's like, because if my overall environment is good, but something is still not right you really have to listen to yourself and like your feelings about that to say that I need to make a change and that change may not look like what I thought my life was going to look like um like I don't know what your degrees are in if they're in like higher education but it's like (laughs) see and you're just like ah you know I did all this work but it's like you have to also have that talk with yourself because some people don't realize that your degrees, while they're in something, like the fact that you got that education shows yeah. a set of skills that yeah. means that you can do other things. 
Yeah, and I just want to add on to that a little bit because this is this is a soapbox that I have to get on often when I talk <laughs> to my colleagues or when they're like, yeah, Nadeja, like, I want to leave. You know, we talk the talk, but that action is missing. Mm-hmm. I think the struggle with a lot of folks who work in higher ed is they feel like their degree is a life sentence, right? The reality is that a lot of us put ourselves in debt um, to go into a field that will most likely not pay us enough to pay off that debt mm-hmm. in a timeline that we desire, right? Unless you're pursuing a terminal degree or, um, you know, you get up in the big dog positions like the VTs <laughs> and all that good stuff. So Absolutely. you feel like, man, I've, I, you know, I pursued this master's. I did the time. I took out all these loans. Mm-hmm. If I leave, then I wasted my time. If I leave, I wasted my money. But like you said, you still have your degree, you still have your experiences, you still have your skills. So it's really just about taking ownership over what experiences you've been able to have and figure out how you can use them and leverage them after you leave. Absolutely. That's that's very important that, you know, things can look different, you know, than what you thought they were going to be. And then that life sentence thing is so important because it's like just because you made a decision at 18 or 22 with a degree you're going to get does not mean that you have to stick with it for the rest of your life when you know better at 28 29 30 35 like looking back now i didn't know nothing about nothing (laughs) when i went into grad school i was just naive right it's, <laughs> it's right it's like who knows what's gonna like what curveballs life is gonna throw at you to make it so that this doesn't make sense for you anymore and I think that's important mm-hmm. to know that you know you can design a life for yourself now that is great for you but that doesn't mean it's mm-hmm. going to be great for you in five years so you always have to use this skill set to make sure that ask yourself if you're happy if this works for you and you know keep making those changes so that you're not always stuck in a rut with yourself so that's good to hear so being comfortable with change oh girl that that change thing (laughs) (laughs) people are uncomfortable with change in situations that they're comfortable with and they they don't even consider change in going to new situations because Mm -hmm. it's like well I have this one good thing here is what I hear a lot. It's like, but the other 99 you hate. And so you're thinking you could go to this new opportunity and that one thing be there and 90 things that you love. Like you don't know, like don't hold on to that one small thing you love when everything else around you is chaotic. Red life people be like, but I have free housing. I'm like, but you hate your job. (laughs) Exactly. So is, is is that worth your soul? Like, do you want to have free rent or do you want to have a peace of mind? You might have to mm. do that. What costs more for you? Is and the just question. because it doesn't cost money doesn't mean it doesn't come at a price, okay? Girl, you better preach that. <laughs> Say it again. Okay. So when did you know that it was your business that you were going to go out, that you were 100% betting on yourself? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because when I made up my mind that I was leaving student affairs, I figured that I would find another job. Um, I actually had on my vision board that I made in August of 2019, like made my next job be my last. Um, and when I, you know, and I started my business originally in June of 2018, and I was like very blown away by the fact that I could make money from my couch. I was like, what? <laughs> 
this was kind of easy. Um, so when we got to, I would say like the spring semester, I think um, I just realized that like my savings was looking really cute. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm a savings queen too. So like I um, paid off my 20K student loan debt in 10 months. Like that's a part of yes. my story that I usually share on my platform. So I know how to lock it down and save some money. And I just happened to think, I'm like, oh, you know, if I had, you know, this amount of money saved, that would be like pretty cool. Like that would allow me to get myself settled for three months before I jump into another role. And then coronavirus happened. Mm. And there was so much concern about job security and furloughs and layoffs. And um, it was so much easier to save more money because we were not doing anything. We were all home, (laughs) hopefully spending time with our loved ones. So, you know, that cute number that I thought could make me, you know, comfortable for three months doubled in my last few months because I was like, wait, I can like take the rest of the year to do whatever I want. Okay. Um, so that's, that's basically what I'm doing now. And I, and I really just, my mindset was if I can take the last six months of this year to really pour into my business, Mm-hmm. then I should be able to continue on this journey when we get to 2021. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't make sense for me to jump into another job because it would only distract me from the time and energy that I wanted to pour into my business. I'm like, this is the only time that I can just do what I want to do and not have to worry about being able to afford life. Right. So I had to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> so is that's like- what I did. It's like the perfect like set of circumstances too. It's like this year, while it started off crazy, like I feel like it's given some people the opportunity to really do what you said and take the either the last three or four months or the next six months to really focus on yourself and invest mm-hmm. in yourself and believe in yourself because some, that's all we some of us have. You know, like if you live yeah. alone, if you're working on something, it's like if you want to take this time like this would be the perfect time because you're not distracted by outside events yeah you're you're working from home so you can kind of slice up your time a little better because you know when you're doing a full-time job and you have a business you think okay well I'm only at work for eight hours never true (laughs) because not only are you having to wake up early you're having to travel there whether it's 20 minutes 30 minutes or a five minute walk somewhere these things wear you down and then you always need that time to decompress. And it's kind of something different, although you don't get to like separate your like house from your job, you can yeah. kind of block out your time. Like, okay, I need that moment to rest right now in the middle of the day from one to one thirty, And then I'm a little more refreshed. So as soon as I clock out, I can do a few hours on my business without having to worry about commuting, cooking, something could be in the instant pot or whatever while you're working. It really does help you to take that focus on yourself for the year. So that's great that you were able to use really the coronavirus and everything else, because (laughs) I felt like something similar, like it's been crazy, but it's been helpful, you know, to kind of have that time to internalize and think about what's really going on. And I know you went to impact weekend um, this year (laughs) and I went to impact weekend um, last June. So I know the type of clarity you get from that event. And so can you tell me about like how a little bit about how how that event and how everything from that point shifted and what you were going to focus on in your business? 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I love me some Maya. (laughs) (laughs) I was so grateful to be in that space with Mm -hmm. all those other black women. Amen. Um, who are also entrepreneurs. I have never experienced anything like that. And people were asking me, what was it like? I'm like, it is the best experience I've had as a Black woman slash entrepreneur so far in my life. Um, that is exactly where I pivoted in my business. Um, <laughs> I went to Impact Weekend as an expert resume writer who knew that she was burnt out from doing done-for-you services. Um, I was making the money, but I didn't feel fulfilled by what I was doing, and it wasn't really allowing me to have an impact. So as I'm thinking about leaving student affairs, I'm no longer going to be around these students who I get to see regularly, have these impactful conversations. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, where is this going? How can I still have an impact, you know, in my own business? And um, Maya was doing some good old hot seat coaching um and when I was on stage I was explaining to her you know what my profession is and explaining to her like the struggles of most essay pros like a lot of them are so burnt out um they are so desperate to get out of student affairs but the lack of confidence and clarity really keeps them stuck and stagnant and I'm like you know essay pros are so talented They have so many skills, they wear so many hats, but they just don't know how to position themselves. Mm -hmm. And she was like, so why don't you just help them leave? And I was (laughs) like, right? Doesn't it always just come so simply out of her mouth? Like, (laughs) It is literally like watching God work through her. It is so amazing to witness. And so she gave me that idea. And so, you know, little old me, I'm like, okay, thanks. And I go back to my seat and I'm like thinking about it. And it's like rolling around in my head. And then like, three different women walked up to me and they were like, I am so excited for you to do this work. Like I have this friend who works in student affairs. I have this friend who works in res life and she hates her job and she really wants to get out, but she doesn't have the support. And so for me, that was really like the affirming moment of like, this is a lane that I can create for myself because no one's doing this work. And there are clearly so many women who are waiting for me to show up and serve and support them. And it's like, why not? Because I'm doing it. (laughs) I am doing it right now. And so I can not only support them with a career strategy, but speak from personal experience. And people like to work with someone who knows where they've been before. So Mm -hmm. um, Impact Weekend played such a big part in me pivoting in my business. And I just went home like, man, I have so much work to do. So when I... (laughs) When I finally, you know, actually pivoted and launched my, my signature program, Beyond Student Affairs, I was like, man, I feel like I've been on this journey forever to get to this point to finally start doing the work. But it feels so much better than how I was running my business before. Um, and it's so easy to do the work because it's like I see myself in my clients. And so yes. I get really excited when we're, you know, going through their journey. Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's really important that, you know, you're kind of doing like what seems scary to a lot of people, you know, you think, okay, let me just cast my net wide and it'll make more sense. But it's like really important that you really narrow down what it is that's important to you, what works for you, where you can have the most impact, whether that's in business or in your life. Like a lot of people 
don't make those decisions like, well, let me just do whatever, or I'm not happy, and so, but I, this is the life I have to live. It's like, no, like, what makes you happy? Like, what feeds your spirit? Like, you can really design your life and your career around these things. It seems scary because you're narrowing yourself down, but you're going right down into, like, your area of genius and happiness where things just really start flowing to you because I'm sure like once you narrow down to like I'm helping these people it's like people come out of the woodworks that yeah. you were like no one's seeing me here but it's because you're in a large group but when you like funnel mm -hmm. yourself down to say no I'm here for you all they're like okay well we're here <laughs> you know yeah to be helped and to be seen and to be heard because you know when you say you hear everybody everybody's like okay well you hear me but it's like no Nadeja, I hear you. Mm -hmm. It's way better to do that. Yep. So that's kind of what I got from that too. It took me much longer <laughs> to kind of go mm -hmm. and like sit with it because I was at the one with like the 15 people. So we mm -hmm. were a really small group. But again, you meet so many amazing black women who then mm -hmm. like pour into you who are so helpful. And it's like, mm -hmm. I am very thankful to have had this year to like, really refine what I'm going to do because I found myself doing some of those things like, Oh, well, I don't want to narrow all the way down. Yep. And it's like, <laughs> well, well, I could do, I could help the, all of these people and I can do this, but it's like, no, it's important to like go to that group that you know that you can really serve. And so that's something that I did as well. And like, speaking of that, and with everything that's going on with the country, a lot of people just confronting systemic racism. And we know that mm -hmm. that can be a big issue in higher education, just like it is yeah. in the outside world. I think a lot of times people think the education atmosphere, because it's supposed to be so liberal and understanding and inclusive, that it's a safe space. But I think as Black women working in these environments, that we know that it is not that <laughs> all the time and it's kind of been refreshing to be able to feel more confident and more empowered speaking up on it because it's like now we have the stage it's like we felt like this for a long time but we can't even make a suggestion in a meeting without me hearing it. a but and <laughs> but now mm -hmm. guess what speaking up and don't dare say anything so now everybody wants to hear from everybody us. wants to hear so i've noticed you making a few posts about it um this week so what led mm -hmm. you to go ahead and create that content yeah so i um have a best friend who does um instagram branding and we were working through some content and i wish you know we were doing this right before everything just kind of double exploded mm -hmm. um with George Floyd and I was just talking to her not even specifically about that particular incident but just like all of the again shenanigans that we deal with in student affairs and like all the gaslighting that happens right um absolutely we are encouraged to practice self-care but like no one's really wanting you to do that the moment it inconveniences them it's a problem oh, absolutely um and then just reflecting on some of the experiences that I had as a grad and I was, I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. I'm not that good at it yet, but I was <laughs> on Twitter and I know, I know our people be on Twitter. So I think mm -hmm. on another platform, I ran across, you know, this trending thread of like black and um, higher ed. 
And so I looked it up and I went to go look and I was like, I can relate to all of these things. Like I, all of, like all of the black people that I know have come to me at some point of me knowing them and told me that they had these same exact experiences. And that was very powerful because I know that that's the truth for so many other black essay pros who mm-hmm. I've never met before. And so I did a small series of posts, um, but the first one was just the truth about being black in higher ed. And you know, white folks were trying to learn how to do better that week. So, mm-hmm. you know, people were clicking and swiping and seeing all these tweets. And I took out the names of the people because I didn't want to have, you know, right. You know how sometimes people they, they find you on social media they and then they start talking to your supervisor, honey. Uh-huh. But yeah, um I shared their stories and it was just like this is so true for so many people. Um and it was just really polarizing because people were like, wow, I'm probably one of those white people who made my black colleagues experience so traumatic without even realizing it Mm -hmm. and that post is the most successful post I've ever posted on social media it has like almost 800 likes almost 600 shares and like 400 saves and I don't really get into social media stuff but that's a big deal for me and my platform exactly exactly that I was like well y'all keep spreading the truth (laughs) right these stories need to be heard and these voices need to be amplified so i just wanted to use my platform to amplify those voices because i found the conversation on twitter but i felt like i didn't i didn't want that conversation to just get caught in black twitter i wanted the people who needed to see it to see it because everyone's talking about how companies can do better um, how coaches can do better. And I'm like, hey, you don't have to be a big shot to be a better person. If you work mm-hmm. in higher ed, this is what you need to know. And this is what you need to reflect on if you really want to be a part of change. Exactly. Yeah, I saw that post and I was like, this, everything, this is it. <laughs> because people just don't realize. It's like the fact that you have to, safe spaces are great, but the fact that we almost have to have to seek out safe spaces of other black people in higher education just to feel okay is a problem. It's like we are almost creating our own underground railroad <laughs> of communication. It's like we all need to get together. We all need to talk about what's going on. We all need to, okay, well, what happened in your department? And what, what did they say here? And what is this? Just to make sure, one, we even get all the information. Mm-hmm. Two, to make sure that false information isn't being spread and then to help each other out and make sure that people know what they need to know. It's like we have to form these bonds because nobody is giving us that leg up. Mm-hmm. And when you said, them. when you mentioned the underground role, I'm like, dang, that's so true. Like there is so much, <laughs> you know, side communication that happens in order for us to feel safe and at my last institution, one thing that I was really, really grateful for was that they created a Black Girls Meet, which was um, okay. an, affinity, an affinity group for Black women. And that was one of my favorite spaces to be in. But like, even just thinking about us being in that room and just being able to like let our shoulders down and just be honest and transparent and authentic and not have to be censored or worry about something leaving that room, mm-hmm. that created a feeling that I would have never been able to experience in the larger department. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so we have to deal with with so much. And 
I was just talking to my best friend who works in higher ed as well. And we were just talking about how um, at her institution, they had one of those, you know, open table talks about everything. And like um, one of her white coworkers kind of started crying. And I was just like, heavy sigh. And it's just yeah. like, this, these are the interactions that now we can't even be in this space and say what we want to because this is like the heightened representation of what we're dealing with every day. And so if you're listening and you're not black or you're not in higher ed or you don't understand, what we're saying is that we're explaining what's going on with us and someone has an emotional reaction that then centers themselves. And this mm -hmm. is an emotional reaction that we cannot have and we stop ourselves from having daily yeah because if we had it we would be so we're unfit to do our jobs mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we're too emotional we can't handle cr constructive criticism is what it would be called mm -hmm. and then we'd be told that you know we um are too sensitive and that we should be stronger because we're yeah. expected to just take on everything uh, one of uh, my favorite tweets out of that series that I shared was someone said that being black in higher ed meant never being able to have a bad day and having to smile through everything. And I was like, chill, because that is so true. It is absolutely so true. But if there is any cry from anybody else, it is people just run to them. It doesn't matter if they did the wrong thing or if anything, it's just, oh what happened and it's just like you're just not even gonna okay all right yep and it's like a lot of black people at work is just like oh you didn't smile at me it was like why do i have to be happy for you why do i have to perform happiness for you at yeah. all times and it's like i got to the point when i know i know people think i'm mean i know people think i'm a bitch but it's okay. <laughs> You're going to just have to think it because I'm also a big fan of my leak and I'm just like, feelings are not facts. And so when I write emails, I'm very direct and I'm very yep. factual. And so if you ever have a issue with my email, it's not because of me. It's because you're wrong because I'm not. And that's another thing we have to do is we're having to fact check everything we say, because if we, type the T instead of the R in the keyboard, somebody's gonna come back and correct it. It's like small little things that are happening to us daily on top of just the stresses of being in this industry anyway. Yeah. It's a lot for us to deal with. And so I know there are probably even more um, black women and men who are probably gonna be looking to leave this space. Um, oh yeah very soon <laughs> very soon yes so how has it how has it been in like the last month i know you launched your program yeah and i know you're going to be coming out with a whole lot more offers and different things soon so can you give us like a brief description of your program and maybe um anything you can tell us about something you have coming up yeah um Thank you for asking. You know, I love to talk about how I can serve my people. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so uh, 
in May, I launched my signature program, Beyond Student Affairs. I actually launched my program as I was leaving my job and moving to a new state, which I wouldn't recommend any of you all do for the entrepreneurs <laughs> listening. Um, and Beyond Student Affairs is an eight-week program um, for me to support the student affairs professional who's burnt out. Um, they are eager to leave. You know, they probably see themselves leaving within the foreseeable future of a year. And they want to do the work, um, but they don't have the confidence and they don't know how to put themselves out there um, because a lot of those clients just think that they have res life skills or student affairs skills and they don't think they're real. And so my program is really a combination of mindset, um, career strategy. There's definitely some self-care in there because I'm a firm believer that career and self-care go together and, mm -hmm. you know, you you have to make them both work. You have to prioritize birth, both. Um, and so I kind of walk them through everything. We do exit strategy. We do career assessments. Um, we talk about money management. If you are thinking about moving off campus and then, you know, towards the second half of the program, we really get into some of the strategy and logistical pieces. So like your resume, getting clear on your skills. How are you telling your story when you're showing up for these employers that are outside of education? Mm -hmm. Um, how are you using LinkedIn to your advantage? And so it's really a one-stop shop for that SA pro who knows that they're ready to leave, but they just don't know where to start. I literally walk them from the beginning to the end. And I also make sure that I offer them some aftercare support because leaving is scary, right? So even after Absolutely. I walk you through the process, you're going to want to call me <laughs> at some point and be like, Nadeja, right. I have this interview tomorrow get me together real quick, right? Because exactly. the confidence is a really big piece. Um, and so I'm really giving them, you know, the clarity, the confidence, and the courage mm. to take that leap that so many of us are afraid to take. Um, because I don't want to see any more of my colleagues just being stuck and miserable. It really does break my heart. Um, and so I was so excited to launch that program. So that is really where um, my focus is right now. But I also have I have a private Facebook group. It's called Student Affairs Sanctuary, and it's also for the same type of client. So there, you know, I do some free training, and I like to ask them, you know, what do y'all need support with right now? Because I know folks are stressed out. Um, and so one of the things that people voted on is, like, getting ready to leave the residence life nest. Mm. And so actually just today, I reached out to my mailing list, and I'm giving them early access to a webinar that I'm going to be doing um, on July 5th, and it's literally everything you need to know about leasing your first apartment, because I cannot Ooh. tell you how many people are like, I want to leave Res Life, but I don't want to pay rent. I'm like, girl, you will not regret it, okay? The return on investment <laughs> on paying rent is worth it when you can have peace and privacy. Um, and so I'm going to be telling them everything that I did right with my transition, everything I did wrong, um, things I wish I knew in advance and things I would do differently because I not only want other people to successfully transition out of student affairs, but I want them to have a peaceful transition or as close as possible given the nature of change. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like I went through this struggle, so you don't yes. have to. You can get to your end goal much quicker. Yes. Learn from me. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Don't let my mistakes be in vain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I know that can be a lot. Because I know a lot of people who do go into res life go straight like from grad school. You have different housing arrangements, and then you have that offer for housing, and it's like, okay, well, I don't have to pay rent, but it's like, 
since maybe if you move to this other industry, you get paid enough that you pay rent and still make more money. So Exactly. Yeah, but a lot of times people just don't see that possibility. People are like, I don't make enough money to move off campus. I'm like, no, you just don't make enough money in general. Like, yeah, I, I cannot... I cannot tell you how many times I've heard someone say like they're afraid they won't make more money when they leave student affairs. I'm like, you're already not making much money. Much money, enough money, any money. <laughs> like basically, we already broke. We 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 broke broke. We already broke broke, and you ain't got no housing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So you know, it's, it's really amazing to watch them kind of step into that confidence and like understand that like, yes, you can negotiate a salary. It's not something that's welcomed in student affairs, but if you're leaving, you better sharpen up those skills because you have a lot to offer. And if you lowball yourself, who can you blame? Yeah. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on Instagram. I'm always on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Nadeja Town, which is my full name. Um, and that's really where I show up and just share a lot of transparency about my experience. I know a lot of people want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know what it's like because they're so curious. It's so <laughs> like, it's such a thing. People are like, oh my gosh, you left. I feel like sometimes people watch me and they're like, you have the audacity to leave your job without another job lined up and talk about it on social media I'm like yeah come on over here (laughs) so if you're looking for more of a way to be connected with me on a regular basis and see behind the scenes um, you can definitely follow me on Instagram at Nadeja Towns and if you are looking for a community where you can um, learn about some of these career strategies to support your transition then you can join my private Facebook group which is called the Student Affairs Sanctuary you can also follow me on Twitter but you should follow me on Instagram. It's right. all the same handle from <laughs> the day to town. Yeah. Yes. And your website is the same as well, right? Yep. Just And you can find ways to work with me there. If you're interested in, in applying for my program, you can find information there. Or if you just want to do a clarity call to figure out how I could possibly support you, um, we can talk a little bit and just figure out what are some different opportunities for us to collaborate. Absolutely. That's where I think you all should just go follow her. If nothing else, it is a masterclass in authenticity, showing what you're going through. And as you were talking about that post that has done the best for you, like that was just you sharing your authentic experience as it relates to your life. And look what happened. Like, that is amazing that you can do what you love, share something that is important to you and it be important to other people as well. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Yes, thank you so much. Everybody follow her and I will talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to When Wit Happens. You can find Whitney living her best life at thewhitneywest.com and at thewhitneywest on social media. Subscribe and follow for updates. Until next time, keep living your best life.